0: Welcome to the Women Encouraged Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Berendrecht. We are all about growing in Christ and being shaped by His Word, so I'm delighted to share these conversations with Christians who love the Lord, love His Word, and are pursuing a life of faithfulness in Him. I'm praying this episode is a blessing to you and that you'll be encouraged to apply the gospel to this topic and walk faithfully with Jesus Christ. Welcome to the conversation. Friend, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad you're here. When a marriage hits extreme suffering or even just a bump in life's road, the couple can either let that situation pull them apart or grow them together in the Lord. In this episode, my husband Alex and I sat down with Jeff and Sarah Walton to chat as couples about their experience walking through suffering and what God has taught them about Himself, showing them His faithfulness and growing them together as a couple. Jeff and Sarah wrote a book called Together Through the Storms, which we really want to commend to you. It's the kind of book that will minister to you no matter how easy or difficult your season is. Alex and I are so thankful for the Waltons' message and for how they encouraged us to look to Christ in all things. Before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to our donors and Patreon sponsors for helping keep the podcast going you have been an enormous gift, and we praise God for the opportunity to link arms with you and share weekly episodes of encouragement for Christian living with our listeners. You can find out about donating or sponsoring the show at patreon.com slash women encouraged. Let's jump in now to this couple's chat with Jeff and Sarah Walton. It is so wonderful to welcome Jeff and Sarah Walton to the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here, guys.
1: Thank you for having us. Glad to be here.
0: And I'm also joined by my husband, Alex, who is in this one for another chat. We did our last one with Matt and Lisa Jacobson, and it's just really great to have another couple to sit down and chat with. Got great feedback that was like, oh, great to sit down with my husband and listen to something together and and be able to talk through it. So I'm excited to be able to do that with you guys as well. Um, Would you both introduce or each other, whichever you prefer, um, and just share with us just who you are and maybe some of your testimony as well, if you'd like.
2: Yeah, sure. So we are Jeff and Sarah Walton. Um, I am a stay-at-home mom primarily right now. Uh, We have four kids, 13 down to six, and I have written a book called Hope When It Hurts a few years back, and then now we are now coming out with Together Through the Storms that we've written together. Um, I am doing some writing, things like that during the day. Um, Right now, like everybody else, we are stuck at home, (laughs) so we are mainly just trying to figure out how that looks. E-learning with the kids um, is now my new job and uh, you want to tell them kind of what you've been doing?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I am in uh, healthcare technology sales. Um, also, um, you know, enjoy leading men's Bible studies uh, through our church and uh, currently in job transition. So um, we're, we've are we kind of been in that for almost about five months now. So unfortunately, ahead of the curve with all the pandemic and all the millions now that are facing that situation. So uh, we we understand we're We've been here, unfortunately, before. About five years ago, we also were in a, a job layoff and job transition. So that's some of the, the things that we had to certainly lean back on what we wrote and said. All right, now are we going to live out what we just uh, you know put down on paper? And that that news came back around Thanksgiving, and that was pretty much right when we were winding down all of our writing process and getting you know things ready to to launch here. So it's been, a, it's been a long journey with that. And we'd love to probably even share just a little bit. Do you want to share a little bit about our, our story and kind of um, kind of give you a snapshot on that, if that, if that sounds good?
0: Do we'd love to hear that.
2: So um, it's a complex, very layered, uh, about 13 years of trials for us. We got married um, 16 years this summer. And about three years into our marriage, we had our first child and actually not long into that, he was only about seven weeks old and he suddenly spiked a fever and we had him rushed. He was rushed to the hospital because it was very concerning for his age. And long story short, it was five days in the hospital with horrible diagnoses that they, they couldn't find what was wrong, but they thought maybe he had meningitis and then leukemia and then blood disorder. And it kind of went on and on from there. We ended up leaving the hospital without really any answers. Uh, all of a sudden, after heavy antibiotics, he started to improve, and they sent us home with an undiagnosed severe infection. So we kind of thought that was our trial <laughs> as a couple. Yeah. We're like, we, we survived it, um, but it really only progressively got harder from there. Throughout that year, he started to exhibit some neurological challenges that were going on that because he was our first, we didn't really know what that you know if that was normal or if he was just uh, challenging and he was strong strong yeah. yeah so anyway, we just did the best we could with him, but he increasingly got more difficult, got more um, aggressive, which throwing things would have very extreme long tantrums that ended up leading to restraining and things like that. And so, We ended up having three more children throughout the, about a seven year period or so. And things just intensified every year with him. And it finally reached a point where we, we really needed help. We didn't, we knew for sure something wasn't right at this point, but we just, we had no idea what was going on. And so we began the doctor's process. Uh, We ended up seeing probably 10 different kinds of doctors and everybody would say there's something wrong but they couldn't really tell us what it was. It was so complex and so layered. Um, and he would look different one time than another. And so that was really, probably probably our most difficult journey of our marriage. It's, it's continues to go on. The Lord has been gracious and he has carried us through. We believe he has given our son salvation in Christ, but he still struggles with, um, neurological challenges and mental illness. And so that's been really, really hard for our whole family. For him, he, he suffers so much from that. Um, the Lord has already brought some redemption in showing him Christ, even in that. But, yeah. but it's still really, really hard. We want him to be freed from that. Um, but the Lord has not chosen to do that yet. And so that was kind of one layer. Um, but I also dealt with a lot of chronic illness, and that kind of progressively got worse over the years as just stress built. And I had more children. He had a job where he was on call twenty four seven, so he was in and out of the house day, night, weekends, holidays, birthdays, anything. So I couldn't count on him, and obviously for a marriage that lends itself (laughs) to tension and to stress. And so that was another aspect going on. And um, I kind of just got sicker over those years, and so we finally reached a point where we really couldn't we couldn't go on like that anymore. It was our marriage was starting to struggle. I was barely functioning. I was almost to the point of bedridden, but he was gone. So I had to be dealing with restraining my son, helping my other three, always recovering from an incident or preventing one. It it just was too much. I couldn't, I couldn't go on. So we were advised by many counselors, um, family that we needed to make some really hard choices. And so another long story short, uh, Jeff ended up changing industries completely to get off call. But that step meant that we were going to lose a very, very significant portion of our income. And so we had to sell our home that we had just purchased a few years prior. We downsized to a rental home um, and he started that job. And it was kind of a, it was a new beginning for us. Uh, we, We lost a lot in the process, but we knew we needed it. And then that following year is when I got diagnosed with Lyme disease. And um, actually, that whole year, we had increasingly seen our kids all showing signs of different illness, um, joint pain, other strange behavior, strange symptoms that we couldn't really pinpoint. And so they all ended up getting tested and testing positive as well. And so we began this family journey of how do we heal from this mystery illness. Um, And then he ended up losing his job. (laughs) So it kind of was like, it was I think what really struck us then was the struggle of Lord, we're trying to follow you. We're trying to do what is difficult, but we feel like is honorable. And it feels like you led us into a more difficult situation. And so that was that was confusing. It was hard. Um, and that's really I think when our marriage started to really get rocky. I think we had enough time, enough air to breathe with him being home, that just emotions started coming up. All of the trauma that had happened, all of the resentment of him leaving came up in me. He was all of a sudden home all the time. <laughs> so it, it really, it started pressing in on all sides. Um, and I'd say that was, that was kind of the trajectory of our marriage going downhill for a little bit.
1: Yeah. So that was about nine years that I was in the medical device industry and just that constant in and out. And so it was very much a survival mode for us. We didn't have probably as much time to focus on our relationship, as it was, just focusing on kind of uh, our oldest and just making sure that the kids were were safe and um, everything was going to be, you know, just new parents and just adjusting to that. And so that was the biggest, I think, challenge during those days of extreme difficulty at home. And at a moment's notice, then I was leaving, and so Sarah could not count on me, and that broke down a lot of trust and a lot of many of uh, many other things that. Um, we could not address in the moment just because we were, again, in and out, kind of sometimes two ships passing by. Um, and it was, like Sarah said, not until I had changed jobs and then we, we kind of got our head above water a little bit and then could start seeing, boy, we really do have an issue between us that we, we need to address. And that was, that was painful and there was a lot that needed to be worked through. Um, but that, that probably at least gives kind of the, the overarching of kind of the health conditions. And then, uh, that got into a lot of the financial, uh, challenges that we faced as well.
2: Yeah. And then really the, I think that was, that was enough to push us over the edge. <laughs> and then I had progressively been losing my ability to walk, um, because of a severe injury I'd had. And so throughout this time, we also, I think, what do we have 10 surgeries between the two of us, I think five of them were on my ankle and it's you know now it's to the point where i i really can't do anything else and so i'm just trying to sustain what i have um but many days I, I can't walk on it very well and so we've had days in a wheelchair days where i can walk again and so that's kind of i think we wrote the book in that place because we wanted couples to know that this is not just we've reached the other side and we're going to tell you you're going to make it through and this is what you're going to learn we wanted to really meet couples in the midst of the challenges we face. And they don't have to be big. They can be the daily typical challenges we all can face the with stressors of life. And, um, and we wanted to walk with people through that and say, this is, this is hard for us still, but this is where we found the hope and the strength and the faithfulness of Christ to be so sufficient. And we want to show you how that is for you as well. Um, so that kind of leads into, I guess, some more of what the
0: book is about. No, I really appreciate you sharing all of that. I know that that's probably there's probably a sense of exhaustion too that goes through it goes into you know explaining your story every single time to people and yeah so I really am thankful that you guys are willing to share that as well.
3: Um, question you were saying this is kind of like in the middle of your journey. Um, what where would you say your marriage is right now?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, as we were as we were facing the transition of the job and making that hard choice then to to leave a well-paying industry and then at the same time, uh, leave and walk away from our dream home that we thought we were gonna grow old in. Um, we had then our youngest son um, kind of during that time frame as well. And so each pregnancy, Sarah's health continued to decline. And that just, again, added different layers of stress and different layers of challenges in our family dynamics and just in our relationship. And so I think that really was kind of one of our lowest points uh, during those years, which is about five five to six years ago. Um, and where we then needed to really start addressing what was going on as as it was just not healthy and it wasn't, uh, you know, from the outside, it it looked like we were probably doing okay. Um, and that's, that's with a lot of marriages, you know, isn't that the the challenge? We go to church and everyone has a smiley face and we say, okay. And we assume everything is okay. Um, so that's where we knew that we needed to, to really get some extra help and some counseling. Um, and so by God's grace, we had, um, just a, a long road, but we've seen some incredible, um, growth and restoration in our. Rebuilding of our trust that's been broken down, um, and that's something that's still in the process. You know, that's that's gonna be a, a process for for a while, um, and continuing to work through just some of those things that uh, probably the bitterness and resentment of just you know you weren't there, Jeff, when I needed you the most, uh, and you kind of walked out when I was um, you know at times where I was really struggling with with my own health or with our son, and in those extreme situations. Um, Those were tough decisions where I was trying to do what I thought was, you know, best for our family and providing and and being loyal to my job. But at the same time, um, you know, I was not there for Sarah when she needed those those few times that were really key. Um, So uh, I guess just from where we're at now, you know, God has used um, just by his, his grace and just the body of Christ. And again, just being in his word um, through those challenges that we have had, we, we both have not wavered from being as much as we can in the word of God and praying. It hasn't always been there together by any means. And we've, we've struggled to have those communication and to have time of prayer. And we've gone long times without even having that type of, uh, relationship. So, um, that's something that has, has been growing through that.
2: Yeah. And I, I, I think, we had a big turning point. Um, I wouldn't say it was like, you know, an overnight type thing, but the Lord allowed us to get really, really low. And um, we both would say there was a point where we both realized, oh, this is how marriages get to the point where they say, I don't know that we can heal from here. Yeah. And that was a really scary place to be. But I think we needed to hit that point to, to realize that our spouse wasn't going to be the one that was going to be able to fix it. And the beauty of that is that though there were so many really hard conversations during that time, um, I remember just feeling like I wanted to plead with him to be able to enter into the pain I had experienced. And he couldn't, he he couldn't understand. He could maybe see from the outside, but he couldn't fully grasp how deeply I had been hurt. And I finally, the Lord finally, (laughs) like he one day said, Sarah, stop trying to change Jeff. And turn your eyes on me. And I, I had to just spend time in the word constantly. I had to stop trying to make Jeff understand. I had to stop trying to rephrase things. And, um, I had to take my genuine pain and struggles that I had been facing that he did need to understand some of, but I couldn't make him. And so it really drove me to lean more on the Lord and to see that Jeff's not my savior. He is not the one that's going to make this all go away. And it's not fair of me to ask him to. And so that really drove my, my faith roots deeper into the word. And I began just praying, Lord, I, I need you to, one, be the comforter that I know that only you can be. I, I know you have seen the deepest, darkest pain I've experienced. And I know you want my marriage to be healed. And so I'm asking you that you would open Jeff's eyes to what you see fit and that you would help me to trust you. With whatever that may, maybe there will be things he won't ever understand, but help me to be able to rest in you in that. And he was really ended up doing the same thing. I don't think either of us knew we were doing that, um, but that was so God's grace that he yeah. was praying, help me love Sarah and see what I need to see. And guys, honestly, I look at that time as just purely miraculous because all of a sudden our conversations became fruitful. All of a sudden he started understanding things and. Hearing things that years had gone by and not being able to. I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And suddenly this healing work started in our relationship. And it wasn't overnight, like I said, but compared to how long it had been, it was quick. (laughs) In the sense like that the Lord moved. And when he moved, he moved fast. And he started to just restore um, really painful areas of our marriage. And again, like Jeff said, we had we had help. We needed people to talk this out with. We had really gospel-centered counselor. We had pastors that were walking through this with us. And they just all helped us kind of process through the things that we were struggling to process through, but also helping us keep our eyes on what was true. And gradually the Lord has just rebuilt. It was like he tore down what was not a stable Foundation of our marriage, and he's just been gradually rebuilding it on a foundation of Christ and then trust and under growing in our communication and all those external things that Lord willing come um, but it had to start with Christ and our hearts being fixed in him first um and he just continues to do that rest- restoring work, I think, and like Jeff said, that's a lifetime
0: <laughs> yeah that it's so that is so encouraging and it's in on a very different in a very different way relatable we had a just life circumstances with alex's business we he's a small business owner and we had a point a couple of years ago where i started panicking and i was just looking around like okay god what do you want me to sell am i supposed to sell the furniture and just use it for grocery money cuz we just didn't know what was going to happen next yeah. and it was almost the same kind of thing you're describing sarah where mm-hmm. in this moment just this realization from the Lord, Alex is not my provider. God is my provider. Yeah. And and that shift in my focus actually changed everything about how I was seeing our situation. It changed yeah. how I was praying. It changed how I was thinking of Alex. And it was so restorative to just that God revealing that to me, like, okay, where am I supposed to be here? Like all well, over the place, looking at how I can fix my situation or Alex can looking at the Lord. And so I, I love that that is a consistent thing through your book is eyes on the Lord. Mm -hmm. There's ever been a marriage book written on Job and that is something that fascinates me about this too, but I love that. It's not just a book for, you know, if you have a, a bad marriage, if you have a difficult marriage or whatever, like literally anybody could pick up this book. Mm-hmm. I feel like our marriage has been, the Lord has been kind. We've had a healthy marriage. We've had our ups and downs, but, um, I found the book to be helpful in a lot of different Thank ways. Or just Rethink maybe how I was thinking about something or, or highlight a particular area of growth. Um, and I'm looking forward to finishing it with that perspective, but, um, would you share about why you ended up choosing to write this based on the book of Job.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know of any other uh, marriage books on that, on that topic uh, with the foundation of Job. So uh, I guess the reason why we chose that um, from a kind of, as you look at the story of Job and it certainly in those first two chapters, you just see layer after layer of suffering in his life. And it, that is a matter of, you know, like, hours that he's just getting hit from every direction and finding out that he lost every earthly thing and then on top of that the next thing was then his health and that was kind of the the climax of everything that uh you just see that exchange between satan and god and asking basically coming to to job and saying are you going to are you truly going to live and worship god because he gives you all these earthly things or are you going to worship God for who he is and that's ultimately what we all face in suffering so i think from from that end that's why this is such a, a great foundation for understanding trials and suffering and as we look at that in the context of marriage you know certainly there's not a lot of verses on marriage between job and his wife and even that relationship but what we can glean from that i think is so uh, so hopeful as we look at Job himself, how he responds to suffering. We get a small glimpse about his wife, how she responds. Then we get, you know, the bulk of the book is Job responding uh in the friendships that he's surrounded by. And so that is like one long wait of questioning, God, why is this happening? And wrestling with God and lamenting and just all these things that everyone's going through and even now with a pandemic how how many people are facing these why questions and god how could you i know you're loving but this does not seem loving i know that you are good but this is far from that and the doubt that's starting to rise up in them so we face that challenge of i know god is good i know he's powerful i know he's majestic but he doesn't feel like that at all right now and so what do we do with that so we try and give that framework walking through Job, and want to lay out for, you know, 25 different chapters. And they're, they're really pretty short chapters. We try to keep it that way. Uh, we give a, a point to journal at the end, and then some uh, prayer and reflection and further meditation. So the reflection questions can be done um, individually, but then also we try and, if possible, to do that with your spouse, if, if they're willing. And so we really want to bring this back to Treasuring Christ above all else, and is that something that we're not looking to our spouse to to be um, number one in our life? And there's ways that we subtly do that. And what do we do when we're up against these trials where we respond differently? And again, we see that kind of in Job's friendships of of what that could unfold. So that's a lot of what we try to try to walk through with Job. Yeah,
2: and also I think it fascinated us how much well, There's not a lot of verses about Job and his wife for them, you know, the relationship, there's actually quite a bit you can glean from their relationship and very practically how we can actually have the same struggles, even the fact of how they responded differently to the same trials. I mean, Job had all that happen to him, but it also happened to his wife. And I think we often focus just on Job and we kind of give Job's wife a really bad rap. Like she, she didn't trust the Lord like Job did. Well we don't always respond like Job did either. <laughs> I mean, if I had all that stripped away, I I kind of can understand why she struggled to join Job in stripping down and worshiping the Lord. And um, so even just in the response to our suffering, you can see that, but also how his suffering impacted their, relation, their relationship throughout. And I love, there's one verse, it's funny because it's at the top of one of our chapters. And I, I said, if you read that, It sounds like a really weird verse to put up at the top, but it's like, um, my breath is strange to my wife. Mm. I'm a stench to the children of my own mother, (laughs) but that is the reality. If you are going through like illness or you have something that's separating the two of you, um, for whatever reason that can really feel that way. I mean, you think about in intimacy, like if one, of spouse is really chronically ill and feeling a lot of pain. You can feel physically separated from each other because it's really hard to connect because of what's kind of standing in between the two of you Um, or all, all so many other things can create that, not just physical stuff. So that I think was um, fascinating to us to see how much we can glean because reality is, is there's not a ton of verses in the Bible specifically for marriage. The whole Bible is to speak to our marriages. I mean, it's, it's, Our marriages are meant to reflect Christ in the church. So therefore, everything in the Bible that is discussing that is to be also applied to our marriages in one sense or another. Um, And so I think that's just what we tried to do is give one the picture of Job is so helpful to help us understand a theology of suffering. And that will that will affect our marriages in unique ways. And so not only the theology of suffering, but how we respond to that suffering and how that impacts that relationship. And then learning from him of how can we follow Job's lead and see how, where he came to the point of, of not just knowing about God or hearing of God, but seeing him. And that's ultimately where we all want to be, but we have to, um, we have to allow the trials we're going through to lead us there, to lead us to Christ where he is the one that ultimately shows us himself. Um, And so that's our hope. Our hope is just that it will be a unique take, I think, on marriage. Um, we have really longed for that when we were really struggling. We longed for a resource that just acknowledged how the hard things of life do take a toll on our relationship. And this is not like a how to, how to have a good marriage book. This is like this is the nitty gritty of life. We're in it with you, but we have seen God be so faithful to not only us personally, but to our marriage as we have looked to him in it. So that's really what we hope to give to people.
3: Really encouraging. And um, one thing that I've, I've always found interesting about Job was, and it's such a picture of Christ, even though he was a, he was a sinner, God does say he was blameless mm-hmm. and then gives them all the suffering. And it always strikes me that that was Jesus, right? He was actually blameless mm-hmm. and suffering, and it was used to save the world, right? right. Um, and it wasn't the end of the story. It was, mm-hmm. it, you know, the middle of the story looks pretty painful. It looks pretty awful.
1: Yeah. And
3: the, the end of the story was resurrection. Um, and ultimately, that's really what's amazing is g- God gives us this for a reason. And it's yeah. to glorify him, but it's also so that we would be brought to new glory and that's i think what's interesting about um reading your story and hearing about the testimony where you're at and suffering it's not the end of the story there's more i love Mm -hmm. those stories over and over again
1: yeah praise praise god for that and that's i think what we can see throughout job is just that's the that's the hope that we have and that framework that we bring out also through uh lamenting you know job is is really bringing those questions to god and then ultimately if we don't bring our pain and our you know what we're wrestling with to him we're just going to be running in in circles and and there's no way to escape that and so what lamenting does is takes you takes you from that pain and then that grief and what you're wrestling with and it's supposed to give you that exit off into trusting God again. And if you're in his word and praying and just just talking to God with whatever it is, whether it's a, a little disappointment that happened today or whether it's something major uh, that you may have just lost, um, I think we see that. And we know then as Christ followers that our, we have a floor to our suffering, as Pastor Mark Rogop, uh, has, you know, we've heard him say. And that's so helpful to think that um, we know that our suffering cannot go beyond you know, what Christ already paid for. And so for a non-believer, they have no floor to their suffering. The worst is yet to come. And so I think that's where we can cling to that hope that boy, we have a Savior who has gone to the cross for us, paid that price, and we know that it cannot get worse than what our best days are yet to come, and I think that's what we see in Job, and that's the hope of lament. No matter what you're going through right now, mm-hmm. I I just want to encourage uh, those that are listening to to don't you know don't stop talking to Christ. Bring whatever you're going through; He wants to hear this. Read Scripture because it is so eye opening to see Job. Mouth, you know, you can just picture him speaking these words to God, and I almost get, you know, shivers. Like you just said that to the Lord Almighty, and you see that in in the Psalms and Lamentations of just these crying out and what they're complaining about, but yet their heart is in a good spot, and so that's where it is. It's not in a spot where your heart is just bitter, and then you're just complaining with no exit ramp to get back to that trust and and let that lead you to that. And so I think that's what we we hope will be um, one of the results or the outcomes of those that read this can can see it with a fresh lens of just how helpful that is for marriages.
3: Yeah, kind of it kind of answers the the question the next question um, about how it's easy to kind of identify with job's losses but what what God's response is is kind of like you know how do you deal with that?
2: And Yeah. Yeah, so this has been probably one of the most um, helpful things to learn in the trials that we've faced. And it includes marriage too, is, you know, what's the first thing, you know, when suffering hits, we all want to say, why we want to know, why are you allowing this Lord? It just doesn't, we can't make sense of it because there is no earthly sense that could possibly come to some of these things that, We could say, okay, God, you say you work all things together for my good. Well, I can't even fathom how this could possibly be for anything, any good whatsoever. And so what is so helpful in Job is that unlike the world that wants to give us, that we often hear this prosperity gospel, that if God loves you, he will give you this. Here in Job, we see God not only completely blows that out of the water, he doesn't even give Job an answer as to why he allowed his suffering. So he let Job come to him and pour things out. But that didn't mean God gave him the answer as to why he was suffering. And what does that speak to us? Well, it shows us that God simply wants us to trust him for who he is. And if something happened and God explained it to us, then the next time we had something hard happen, he would have to explain that again. And every time that something else hard happened, we'd have to have him explain that because we otherwise, we were, we're not really trusting who he is. We're just simply trusting him for the explanation he's giving us in this situation. And so here in Job, we see God simply wants to bring Job to lift his eyes to the, how, how mighty, how powerful, and how much God is so much bigger than us that we can't even fathom half of the things that he is doing. And so he gives this picture of Job, have, have, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Do you, have you seen the storehouses of snow? And you start getting this picture of, I, I have nothing to say, Lord. Like, I, I have no way to even grasp the tiniest aspect of who you are. And yet here I am pounding on the door saying, why? Why are you letting this happen? It doesn't make sense. And so gradually, as we do bring that lament, as Jeff said, which is so important I think God starts to humble our hearts to learn to just trust him for who he is, for who he has given us in the scripture. Most importantly, the cross, that no matter what, that is where our hearts have to go back to. I may not understand any of this happening, but if I can look to the cross and I see Christ loved me enough to give his own life for me, then he has to love me enough to be allowing this for some purpose that I can't see right now. And it has been absolutely amazing just to see what God has done in our hearts. We have so few answers to our circumstances. The majority of our trials are still going on and it's been 13 years. There are very few that have had any like closing, <laughs> like happy type closed ending. Um, and some just, we know are going to actually get worse like my ankle and maybe a couple other things. And so We can't base our stability on the fact that our trials are going to end. But what just makes me praise the Lord is how much He has given us so much stability in the midst of the storm still being really, really hard. And that is just, that is only the Lord. Only God can do something like that in our hearts that otherwise we just want to know the answer. We want the pain to go away. We want to be comfortable. That is who we are naturally. So anything. Other than that is the work of the spirit and praise the Lord for that, because we really can honestly say we wouldn't change a thing that we've even gone through and we wouldn't want to escape it sooner than he has purposed for us because we've seen how good and how faithful he has been to bring about things we never would have had. Otherwise, had we not entered these challenges?
0: Wow. That's an amazing testimony. Um, Can we start talking a little bit about how this all relates to marriage, um, a little bit specifically, because I, this has been very helpful just thinking about ourselves as Christians in a Christian marriage. But when you start to face challenges, did you guys struggle with thinking if only it sounds like a little bit, like you did really struggle with thinking if only he would be a certain way, or if only she would do this or that, then the marriage wouldn't be so difficult in this way or that way. Um, What has, what does that look like for you guys? And do you have encouragement for couples that are facing similar thought patterns about their spouse?
2: Yeah, I'll just touch briefly on that. Um, I shared a little bit earlier about where we were at, Um, but we say this in the book and we always want this to be very clear is that we have to know that our relationship with our spouse Is dependent on Christ, but our relationship with Christ is not dependent on our relationship with our spouse, and that is so important to always keep central, because otherwise, if our eyes are fixed on our spouse, then we are going to be tossed by however this relationship is, and that's that's always going to be unstable to some extent. No matter how good our relationship is, we're never going to be, we're we're never going to have a perfect marriage, and so we don't want that to be our expectations or what we're seeking. And so we don't, we don't want people to pick up our book thinking we're trying to give them some way to have a perfect marriage. That's not what this is going to be. That's not the goal. And so the reason we keep pointing people to Christ is that I can't control my spouse. (laughs) I can't control his heart. I can't control how he responds to me. I can't control choices he makes. However, that doesn't mean that we aren't to be working in that, with that aim, that How can we practically, though, try to work to be on the same page and to not only be pursuing Christ separately, but how can we pursue him together? And Lord willing, that is what our individual pursuits of the Lord of being in the word individually will do for our marriage together. But that isn't true for everybody. Not everybody has a believing spouse. Not everybody has a spouse who's in the same place spiritually or has any desire to be. And so we do want to give individuals, uh, you know, a wife who's maybe married to a husband who is not in the same place, or vice versa, that they still can have the hope that Christ offers, and that their marriage is not hopeless. That God is—he is the the God that changes hearts, and it may not be on our timetable, it may not be in the way we expect, but he he can and he does. And so we have the power of prayer to be praying for our spouse. Um, and I just think I think our tendency is to want to be in control. And so I know at least for me as a woman, if I am frustrated by something, I want to try to convince him of it or I want to be in control of the situation. And that is just the tendency of the human heart. We want to be in control. and so sorry, that
0: doesn't sound familiar.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I figured I was alone in that. Um, And so that is is the sanctifying aspect of our, our trials is it reminds us very quickly that we aren't in control. So we can either try to grasp harder and harder for it, and that includes in our marriage. Like if we're not on the same page, I can try harder and harder to convince him of something or to get him to agree with me or whatever it is. But it's, it's usually fruitless because I'm not. that's not my job. And so that's kind of what I think we want to just remind people is to begin to keep going into um, seeking Christ first. But the marriage relationship we have is a gift. And so how are we tending to that in a way that is honoring to the Lord? So that may be praying for our spouse, but then that also means trying to communicate them with them in an honoring way. And so I did have to start talking to Jeff and explaining to him, this is how I am feeling. I, I'm hurting. This is how I'm, I'm seeking for you to understand certain things that I feel like I would like you to understand. Um, and so that is a aspect that we have to do. We do have to keep Pursuing each other in that, um, so yeah, you go
1: on. Yeah, I think that's the the biggest challenges with anything that's going to hit a marriage. It's probably rare that you're going to address them and move forward at the same speed. You know, someone's going to be moving at different levels. Um, someone might be in in the word consistently, where maybe maybe one is now just pouring themselves into. A hobby or to work and just distracting themselves, you know. So there's so many nuances that are going into a relationship, and so knowing that any of these challenges that we go through will affect um, one of the spouses differently, or spouses will um, will be affected differently with that. So we have to remember and be willing to extend grace, and I think by being in the Word of God, and again, that's. That's the only way that there's going to be fruitfulness in a marriage is is through Christ. Because apart from that, you can have a marriage, maybe that looks good from the outside, but there has to be um, turmoil at the root of that if, if Christ is not there ultimately. So I think by pressing into to prayer and being in the word of God consistently, and it's it's having that frame of mind of, again, wanting to to be humble and first before christ and and then that humility can then bring such growth to a marriage and that's something that is certainly a lifelong um Mm -hmm. process and journey with that because uh, i know my own heart and just the pride that stirs up every single day and just that fight and the only thing that i have to fight against that is being in the word of god and and the, the armor that that I can put on every day. And so that's how I fight just those tendencies. And I think it starts by being fed ourselves so that we can be ready up with Christ's strength so that we can respond to trials as they come. And as Christ followers, we will inevitably face a trial. We're not immune to that. We know that they're coming. For some, they're gonna be greater degrees than others, but how can we? proactively be ready for that in our marriage. And that's why I think our book um, really can deal with any level. And we hope that some that are just married for, you know, a year would pick it up, even if they're not in a a trial right now, because we want this to prepare them. I wish we had something that could really look at some of these concepts uh, 15 years ago. And so then also people that are maybe just coming out of a a rough season. And then there's going to be a lot of us that are heading into one in the next couple months or in another decade. So that's, I think, just heading into that, knowing that prayer has to be at the core and Christ has to be our foundation. Apart from that, um, we know that trials will be greater.
2: Yeah, and just lastly, I think really practically, I remember even in the writing process as I was thinking through how grief affects us differently. So in the writing process, what I... It just came to me as I was writing, I was writing the chapter on grief. And I was thinking about how grief has really affected us differently. And it was so helpful for me to think about, you know, so many people refer to the term of when something really hard happens, you feel like you lose a limb, like that part of you just changes. You're not the same person. When you go through something really difficult, it impacts you in so many different ways. And you are, you're changed in one way or another, but it's really helpful to remember that so is our spouse. I think we can just see ourselves as being changed and then expect our spouse to be the person that we thought they always were, but they're grieving too. They are trying to navigate something new also. And so just extending so much grace to each other in these seasons that we're not going to do it pretty all the time. It's, we're going to have lots of times where we're not on the same page, where we are misunderstanding each other, where we are speaking out of our grief and saying things that end up being hurtful and intentionally. So just being really filled with grace in the marriage and being patient with each other, that this is not an easy process. We signed up thinking probably life would be easy, (laughs) but it's certainly not. So um, I think that's just been helpful to remember to um, give that, be patient with one another.
0: That's very moving. (laughs) We have... um... Yeah, we've just had varying levels of different things going on. And, you know, I think everybody is right now. Every couple right now is facing something related to trials and sufferings right now at at this point in history because of what's going on in our world. And, um, yeah, I'm very encouraged by that.
3: Yeah, um, question for Jeff. It's something maybe you can speak to that, uh, you know, being a provider and being somebody who who most christian men i know take it very seriously providing for their family which means you know if you have to have a job like what you had and then having to make a decision to be at home um we're obviously in the middle of covid which is actually making a lot of men not able to even work you know what would you say as an encouragement to our wives and what would you like them to know and especially maybe what job would have to say about that
1: yeah so that's uh you I know that is something that I have wrestled with. Certainly, being being the sole provider, Sarah's uh, fortunately been able to stay home with the kids, and having a having a job that um, you know paid well. And coming from that industry, where um, again from the outside things looked good, we were we were building in our our career and building, um, you know, moving up to bigger homes and Um, With to be wise with our finances and really wanting to be good stewards with what God has given us, and then ultimately it was the work of of God on on my heart again of just seeing that what that job, no matter how great it was, what that was doing to our family, Um, starting to strip away that there is nothing that I could have in a job and financially rewarding as that could be that would. Uh, Bring me happiness because I saw what it was doing to my marriage and I saw that we had to drive two cars everywhere um, Because I was on call and so at a moment's notice, I'd get a page and I'd have to go into uh, surgery as an orthopedic trauma consultant. So that was a challenge of uh, I can't tell you how many times it was an important date that we were we were going to and then I had to bail and, and go go work or Sunday morning step my step into church, and I got paged, or halfway through the service, and I got paged, and then I was gone for five or seven hours, and there was our day, and so that really took a, a toll on, on me, and I think by Christ working in me, um, showing me kind of where I really need to place my value, and not that I was trying to make work an idol, uh, I, I really enjoyed it, but I think seeing ultimately I was not leading my family in a way that I wanted to. And so only again, by the grace of God and give me the strength to make that tough decision and walk away from that. um, You know, he he's blessed us for that. I think for making a tough decision and that blessing doesn't mean that I've, I've got another job that has been uh, just as good because I've, I've been in two jobs since then that I've, I've lost and um, it's, through company layoffs that I've been a part of. So things haven't gotten easier from that standpoint, but I guess I would just try to encourage first the men to not look at it from a circumstantial standpoint, as with anything that we're going through, that if you are losing your your job or if you're, um, your pay is getting cut right now just because of the pandemic and, and how that's impacting uh, you're providing for your family, and that's a trickle-down effect into every other area of your marriage because that stress uh, just builds up, and that's so consuming for us. So that's all we're kind of thinking about, and we're working all day long. So I think from that standpoint, I would just press into to the men and and have them see that we need to rest, that Christ is sufficient, and that He has enough for us. Uh, That doesn't have to mean that our same lifestyle is going to continue on, but we we need to know that Christ will provide for us, and that's that's our needs, not necessarily our wants. So being able to again say, Lord, whatever it takes, this is a prayer that I've prayed, and great suffering has come after this because (laughs) it's it's a really hard prayer. But Lord, whatever it takes, give me. You know, it's let you be my greatest delight and whatever it takes, keep me dependent on you. And it's whatever it takes, Lord, let my heart be abandoned to you. And so that is, if I truly mean that, then when he takes something, I need to live that out. And that's, that's wrestling with God. That's crying out to him of why are you doing this? And then reflecting back, oh yes, I answered, sir. I asked for that. In a sense, because I wanted more of Christ, and that's ultimately what he's trying to bring us. It's not because he wants to have us suffer or to give us some pain and put a thorn in our side just so that he can sit back and just not feel anything from that. He grieves with us. And so even the loss of a job, even taking your pay cut of, you know, so many people are getting cut a quarter of their salary salary right now. He's grieving with you. So let's take a step back and see our circumstances, not in light of what we're losing, and just simply say, be angry with God, but take that to Christ and let that work towards seeing that there might be something greater in this loss. And that's so hard. I realize that. That's easy to say. It's hard to to live out. And it's a daily fight. It's a daily battle it's a daily wrestling. It's a daily being in the word of God because it doesn't happen easy because we're fighting our flesh. So I think that's, that's a challenge, I guess I I would say for the men and for the women, for the spouse, I would say, if you can, uh, Sarah has done this to me of give me space to, um, to work through this and not, not continue to nag of, you know, right now I'm out of a job. So she's not nagging me of, well, why aren't you, doing this? Or why aren't you doing that? And when are you going to get a job? But it's praying for me. I know she's doing that on her own and we're doing it together and trusting that I am putting in and I'm pouring into everything I can. And so I think that's going back to the grace again of just giving your spouse grace and having that communication um, first and foremost with Christ, but then with your spouse. Yeah.
2: And also for the the wives or This can be either, you know, whoever is working and maybe is, um, has lost an aspect of something that they were really invested in. I think it just comes back to also realizing when anything major changes in our life, it shakes what we identify in. We we usually do identify to some extent in something we've poured ourselves into a gift we have, a talent we have. Um, I know, you know, for men typically. Very easy to identify in being the provider. And so if you're suddenly not providing, you feel like you're failing your family. And I've seen him wrestle with this. And so for wives, just remember, if your husband is in that situation, they will be so much more motivated if we are there supporting them and encouraging them and saying thank you for all that you're trying to do. And whether you think they could be doing better or not, be like he said, we the, the best welcome we have is praying for our spouse and then encouraging them and trying to help point out ways we do see them pursuing and making effort and re- helping them realize this I don't only see you as my provider, I, I love you for who you are beyond just what you are working for. And that can be that can go both ways for both spouses in many different ways. It's not just work, um, it can be in a lot of different ways. So, just remembering to be a little bit compassionate and. Um, understand and extend that grace that something major changes in life that's going to impact them and how can I encourage my spouse when they're kind of struggling with feeling like they lost their bearings a little bit um, how can I help rather than hurt (laughs) in that situation it's just good to have that going through our minds anytime something big like that happens
3: add to uh, Jeff um, there's a a friend of mine once uh, warned us young folks careful what you pray for you might get it and then, and so subsequently I was, you know, praying, God, I'd like to be, you know, filled with wisdom and that sort of thing. And and about a week later, he has a sermon, he's a pastor. And he says, uh, um, you know, uh, it was on the topic of wisdom. And he says, yeah, uh, careful when you pray for wisdom, because God doesn't give you a bigger brain. He'll just throw you lots of trouble. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: So I'm thinking, are you the problem here? You are getting no trouble? <laughs>
1: But (laughs) in all seriousness, no matter with all that we've gone through and I've prayed those prayers, there's there's a number of them that I still do that. And so I think that is that is just um, I'm thankful that I can still that God has given me a heart to still bring that to him and that he's changed my he's renewed my mind and he's changed my heart. To desire those things above anything else, so that I can hold loosely um, my next job whenever he brings that, and whatever it takes, I I can know. And the, I love this quote by Spurgeon that if God ordains a ten, it's not going to rise to an eleven, and it's not going to shrink to a nine. And so if I can walk through whatever I'm facing, and know that if I am trying to be faithful and obedient and follow Christ, it doesn't doesn't equal easiness, but it, it will be, it will bring comfort because I know then that there is not going to be a day too soon that he's going to provide a job for me or that he's going to withhold that because he's still teaching me something along that way. And he's, he's allowing that suffering to remain because there's still work to be done in me. Or he's
2: got something that he's wants to provide for us, but it's just in his timing that we can't see what he's doing. You know, I think sometimes, a lot of those things, yeah. sometimes we can just think, I mean, he is always teaching us things, but I think we also have to remember he wants to give us good things. He wants to bless his children. He yeah. is not a taskmaster that is just trying to whip us into the shape, That that's not the heart of God. And I have had to wrestle with that because it, sometimes I've felt that way. I've, I've had to say that, Lord, I feel like you're harsh to me and that doesn't feel like I should be able to say that, but I've had to get to the point where I was honest with that. But to, to go through and to remind myself through the scripture of how God gives us his word to show us that it is all out of his love, how much he has for us and he wants to give us. Um, and just remember that that's the heart of God when these things happen or when you're waiting and it's not changing. Um, it's, Good to be like Jeff said to be asking the Lord, What can I learn? How can I grow in this? But also to trust that He has what is best for you and He wants to give what's best for you. It just is not always in our timetable.
0: (laughs) It is so I'm so thankful that we've gotten to have this conversation with you guys and um, so blessed by it. Such a life giving and encouraging conversation. And really looking forward to sharing this with with our listeners. Um, Before we Close, I want to ask you about waiting on God. Um, that's actually one of the chapters I found to be the most moving for me personally. Um, can you talk about that? Why why is waiting on God never something that we're just doing passively, idly? What what's happening there?
1: Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because that is a real important chapter because every couple is gonna face waiting. And again, that's just like trials it could be something small that we're waiting for and it could be something that could be a lifetime that we're waiting for um so there's everything in between that so i think first and foremost we want to we want to remember that uh god glorifies himself in the waiting and again coming back to that he's not going to delay further than and longer than what he needs to Um, and ultimately we see that all throughout scripture of where god delays And it's so confusing as to why, but now we have, we have scripture, which is such a gift to look back and we can see through that delay, how, how God was glorified even at a greater level. And so first knowing that delays are not a a sign always of, um, you know, discipline, or it's not always a sign of something that we did wrong. But that there are those seasons where delays can be that God is glorifying himself through that, and I think if especially when we're seeking Christ first and foremost, and secondly, you know I just would say that um, God is working far beyond what we can imagine, and he's active in our waiting and we see that so much in the story of Job you know Job is crying out and he's trying to wrestle as we all do with uh, what is going on, and why is this happening? And this makes no sense. And I want control, and I don't have control. So what am I going to do? And that's ultimately, as we look through the story of Job, that one long wait through you know almost forty chapters, um, and then bookend on the other side of a couple chapters that get outside of that waiting. That Job is really trying to be taught by God of who he is and that he's working 10,000 things right this second that we don't even know because just our minds can't grasp that even if he told us a fraction of those and so i think remembering that how small we are compared to god is is something that we need to come back to in our waiting that god is actively working he is trustworthy and we need to we need to rest in that that he's he's sovereign over all that and so I think the third thing that I would just say is to remember that uh, we need to remain active. Waiting is not a passive, um, something passive that we do, and we just kind of wait for something to plop in our lap. Or for me, I, I'm just going to uh, not do any work or, or network as I'm looking for a new job, and I'll, I'll just expect God to give me a job when, <clears throat> when it's going to be his timing no, I have to actively be pursuing Christ. Like right now I'm wrestling with God, what do you want me to do next? I don't know what that looks like. And so I'm praying for wisdom and discernment and trying to network and search and and look and do everything I can until I'm redirected. I'm pursuing jobs and then I'll get redirected or he'll close that door. And so I think that's a key thing that we need to remember in the waiting that we have to be active. And it's not necessarily just sitting back. It's pursuing God and with the wisdom that he's given us. We're not just robots. So remembering that we can use his word and the the wisdom that we have and the counsel of others and our spouse to continue to move forward in that waiting.
0: Well, Thank you guys again so much for, for this and for sharing that encouragement and that wisdom for us. All right. My last question I ask every guest and that's what is the Lord using in your life lately? Something that, um, maybe a verse or a person or passage or book or something that, um, he's been using in your life lately to encourage you in your walk with him.
2: Oh, yes, that is a, that is a good question. There is so much I feel like that is going on all at the same time. Um, I actually have been just reading. I just went through this the other day, um, Psalm one thirty. Let me get to it really quick. And I, interestingly, it was one of my favorites. It was kind of on. the I was thinking through. The Lord just gave me this of um, in seasons of waiting, which has been felt like almost our whole marriage <laughs> of in some way. And the waiting, especially knowing that um, maybe what looms in front of me could even hold something worse. And, you know, I've had to really wrestle with losing my ability to walk. And it's been really hard to know that I can't do things that I always love to do. I can't go for walks with the family. I can't, I used to love sports. I can't do anything remotely close to that. And now I'm just trying to be able to keep up the ability to do daily family life. And so I've had to really struggle through, Lord, why are you lying to take this from me? If That means it's taking so much of what I feel like you created me to enjoy. And so I was reading through Psalm 130, and that's just one aspect. There's a lot of things we're waiting for. And um, I'm going to read it really quick. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for the Lord is there, for the with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And it was just so neat. I just feel like the Lord opened up these five things of reminding me that in your waiting we see here out of the depths, I cry to you that I have permission to cry to the Lord. And so I'm having to let myself grieve those things when they come. And that is so cyclical. It comes at the drop of a hat. It can be every day, sometimes at a different point at different levels. And that I have his ear. He wants me to come to him with what I'm struggling with. Um, And then to remember that the greatest need I have is my forgiveness and that I have to rehearse this to myself, that Who could I? I could never stand before the Lord, but Christ has saved me from my greatest problem, which is my sin. It is not my ankle, and I have to remember that when all these circumstances are happening. Um, And then, as my as I wait for the Lord, I have to hope in His Word. I have to keep going to His Word and letting myself be comforted and encouraged by the promises that He has given me. And it's really easy to start things and letting anxiety take over. So I have to continually be going back to those promises. And then I have to watch for him. I have to remember that he is showing his faithfulness all the time. I just have to look for it. And it, like it says, watchmen for the morning. I mean, like Jeff was saying, watching, waiting for the sun to rise, like more than the expectation that the sun's going to come up again, I can watch and wait for the Lord. And that's in one way That's that he's going to redeem all this. He will one day return and redeem all of this. But even now in the little daily needs I have in the ways he provides and just reminds me that he sees me, as I'm watching for those things, I am so blown away by how many ways he shows me that he cares and that he wants to fill me in ways that maybe i not making my ankle get better, but it's in so many other sweeter ways. Um, and then lastly, that out of his steadfast love, that redemption will come and praise the Lord that this is not the end, that no matter what we lose in this life, it is temporary. And that is the hope that I keep having to like, just grasp onto that our son may not be healed in this lifetime. I may never have a body that's restored. We may never be wealthy, (laughs) That's not where we may always be struggling, but this is not where I am destined for. The Lord asked me to walk through this in difficult ways that I have to trust. It's, it's truly for my good. And he has shown me that it is as hard as it is, but that one day it's all going to be restored and redeemed in his presence. And that gives me the
0: strength and the hope to press on each day. That's beautiful. Thank you so much. How about you, Jeff?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think one of the things that I am, learning and I think that is just such a again such a lifelong process of you know everything that we kind of just wrote in this book I feel like is is coming up again and and just stuff that I need to continue to learn and as we're going off kind of just what we talked about on the the waiting aspect and not having a, a job right now that that certainly is bringing me to a point of Uh, another layer of dependence on Christ and holding things loosely. And so I think, you know, one of the verses that I love that we pull out in in the chapter on waiting is from Job chapter six, verse 11, it says, what is my strength that I should wait? And what is my end that I should be patient? And so as we try to unfold in that chapter, what does that verse mean? um you know i think it's so helpful to think you know the first part is what is my strength that i should wait and we answer that with our lord and savior jesus christ christ is our strength it's not me that can wait well and so i think if i can humble myself before christ and know that i can't do this on my own and that i am i am fully dependent on you christ to to bring me to the other side of this And so I think that's the first part of that verse that is so helpful to think about. And then the second part is, and what is my end that I should even be patient? You know, and we answer that in in the book with the promise of the glory of God. The promise of the glory of God and the joy of being in his presence. And so as we're looking forward to where is our promise and where is our hope really lying? My hope is not in this earth, because if it is, it's just going to be a lot of disappointment and a lot of pain. But my hope is beyond my circumstances and my joy is in the presence of Christ. And so while I look forward to being in the presence of Christ, that is that is the, the peak. It's not all those things that come along with Christ. And again, just the no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Those things are going to be incredible. But when we can look and we can have the framework and the mindset that being in the presence of Jesus Christ, that is why I can be patient. And it's it's not something that I'm patient today and I'm good for the next decade. It's like everything else in the Christian life, it is a daily needing to be reminded of this and coming back to his truth and rehearsing that over and over in my mind.
0: Thank you very much. That's really helpful. It reminds me of um the heidelberg catechism one what's your only comfort in life and death and yes. that i'm not my own and that i belong body and soul to a faithful savior jesus christ and that's that is our comfort it's not anything that we get here along the way it's not um even just the promise of physical wholeness it is belonging to jesus that is our hope well thank you guys thank you so much it's thank been you. it's been really wonderful to see your faces and to to chat with you and to hear your stories and we're very blessed by that Thanks again for joining us. If you want to hear more from Jeff and Sarah, you can find Sarah at setapart.net and the book Together Through the Storms online with thegoodbook.com or you can order through Amazon and other major retailers. You can also find them on Facebook as well as on Instagram by searching the title of their book. Thank you to those of you who have left reviews for the show on iTunes and other platforms. Giving us a rating and review is a great way to help us share encouragement and gospel hope with more women As always, you can find us on Facebook at the Women Encouraged page, as well as on Instagram at Women Encouraged. In the middle of the book of Job, he replies to his friends, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Our hope in all situations, married or single, Grieving or rejoicing, in every trial and every kind of suffering, is that we belong, body and soul, both in life and death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. You might already know that this is from the first answer to the first question in the Heidelberg Catechism. Of course, Scripture memory is a great comforting tool to use, and this little paragraph also may be something you'd like to commit to memory because it sums up so much of God's promises for us in His Word. Friend, our prayer for you is that as you face your own particular storms, you will be reassured and ever confident in God's presence with you and His faithfulness to work all things for your good and His glory.